Yeah, Hello so, and welcome back. No, I, no, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why sorry. did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I got confused. Luke we're, going, we're running with. We're, we're running, running, with, it running with it. Okay, start. We're just yeah. gonna run with it because this is just this is what our night's been for those who are listening. So we are trying to start the evolving hockey podcast, and my name is Sean, and I'm with Josh and Luke, and it's just been a nightmare to our night. We've tried for about an hour to get everything running. And the technology has not been cooperating. Yeah, so. well, good to, good to see you, Sean. Even though we've been seeing each other for an hour and a half at this yeah, point, yeah, good to see you, Sean. Good to catch up. I, it, it is our fault at this point, I think. But Sean was about ten percent of it or something because he had I was a little accidentally bit. muting. Yeah, no, my we. Chat here. This is a little inside the technical aspect of how we do this, but we have a we run our mics through a, uh, a mic pre and an analog digital converter, and the converter that we use is. It's not old, but we've had it for a while, and there's clearly a power issue with it. And so if if by some some modern miracle you do hear us talking about it right now, then we did get through this without any technical issues. But we've had a lot of issues so far. Yes, and we will need to be uh, re- fixing them somehow. Yeah. Also, we had to completely reroute, and Josh, you clipped a little earlier, so we're going to have to— uh, I'm clipping right now? No, you clipped a little earlier, so we're oh going to have to— uh, Oh, my God. We're going to have to do a little— audio wizardry you mean i'm gonna have you're to gonna do. have to yeah that's maybe right. i'll just move a little further away that's anyway like, yeah. anyway sean how has your halloween been happy halloween it is halloween so am i the only one who says halloween uh i've, I've never pronounced halloween. it halloween i know that's probably correct but i just pronounce it halloween well it's all hallows eve right all i mean hallows eve hallows eve i guess so you yeah, said hollow. i just pronounced hollow. the a like an o i don't know is that an accent okay. Might be a regional thing. It might just be me. Like I say, milk instead of milk. Like I say, that's like a Wisconsin type thing. There's like shout out to Wisconsin. Yeah, shout out. Have anything besides? I don't accents. What is the Wisconsin thing? I'm trying to remember. Well, they call water fountains bubblers, which is really weird to me. Did Did you see the the speech thing that went around? I think it was like a New York Times thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weeks ago. Which is, I was proud of myself, like everything fit right in Massachusetts, so that was good. Yeah, I think we've um, done it, and we're very much Minnesota. Yeah, right, right in the middle of Minnesota. Midwestern, although I think that's more well, the of one, the... the funny, it was funny because the one thing about that was that, like, we call them frontage roads. You know the roads that run alongside highways? I didn't frontage know... Frontage roads? That's what, it's, that's what it's called in Minnesota. Well, that's what they call them in Texas. I discovered that one. Yeah, I, I call them like a service road. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that that was a diff. There's differences in regional like, or like what? Uh, what was another one? I think um, it was like Kitty Corner, was another one maybe, or um, was it uh also? Do you know that phrase? Does anybody use that phrase? Like to Kitty Corner or something? No, no, it's like Kitty Corner from it's a location. It's oh, like, is that a it, verb? No, I've heard of it in like a verb. So like, it'd be like on a square, like on a cross street. If on the diagonal is a house, a directly diagonal from across the cross street would be kitty corner, is what, like we would call it up here. So like if you're on like say I don't oh, know. Oh, is that? I thought that was no. Okay, I think so. Let me right? look it up. Also, according to Google, it is Halloween. H. Well, I I know that I pronounced it incorrectly, but well, like no, you said you're you're saying it was like Halloween. Wait, so I pronounced it correctly? I think so. And you I've always said it incorrectly. Well, I you know, it's 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 a it's a dialect or what is it? It's a, a accent. It depends on where you are. I've always Regional. said Halloween. Halloween, yeah. But that's a very Midwestern way to say like how you pronounce an a yeah. like that. Like yeah, yeah, Halloween. Like would be how I would say it. Although I don't think and maybe some of our listeners can 
can weigh in on this, but I've never really been, uh, I haven't felt like Luke and I have actually like any kind of the standard Minnesotan accents. I don't know. Maybe Sean, you can, you think we do. Um, but so like, here's my take on accents. A lot of times too, is like for the most part, we're far less severe because we see such like a national, we consume such national media around here or even yeah. international. Yeah. So we are, a lot of our accents might go, but I think like our, jargons kind of stays the same yeah like yeah i still say grinder uh clicker blinker wicked um what's a grinder it's like a grind like a large sandwich what (laughs) i've never Uh, heard of like a large sandwich a grinder and like that's what that's like a menu like if you went to a grinder place like uh like the pizza shop if you went to the pizza shop infamous and you wanted a grinder like that's what it says it's like grinders it i've never say subs. i have it i have say... heard that and it's been a long time since i have i think when we were in rochester that may have been people were talking I don't think about they gr- call grinders there they call them they would call them like subs okay but uh, anyway well, my point was that it's it, i kind of agree with you is that the well i i think accent still it, it really i think depends on the person like luke and i were born in atlanta and we lived there until we were six and then we moved to minnesota so i don't know if maybe sean no, we were younger than we were like or four five five i didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so you when we were little, Luke and I were, not only did we have just perfectly blonde hair when we were kids, like very, very blonde <laughs> hair when we were kids. I have seen the baby pictures. Yeah. And I can't yeah. confirm that. Yeah, yeah, straight blonde hair. We also had little, like, southern accents when we were first, like, speaking. And so I have a feeling that some of that um, has influenced the way that I, uh, has kind of not allowed me to really get the full Minnesotan accent. Although it's, you really don't hear it that much for anybody who's been in Minnesota. Sean obviously has not been to Minnesota or visited us. You should one day, one time we'll have a live one involving of these hockey. Times yeah. But, um, but, uh, we, I don't necessarily, but I do, some of my O's come off, I think as Minnesotan. So like, I'll, I'll be like, Oh, like that kind of thing. That, snow. There's a little bit of it there, but it's, but not, anyway, enough talk about accents. Yeah. We've just, <laughs> See, I told to you, a, we just go down rabbit holes. This is we supposed just, to be a short little episode. I know. Happy Halloween. We we were a little late to begin with because we Happy thought Halloween. That Halloween, Halloween, whatever you want to say. Um, we were a little late to begin with because we were going, uh, we recently, at least within the last year since last Halloween, um, we moved to a new house and our current neighborhood, they uh, there are kids and people come around and trick or treat. And in our previous neighborhood, we didn't. We very rarely had children who would, or or kids, or anyone trick or treating. So very like kind of what or anyone or anyone. Anyway. I guess yeah. But we uh, tried to run out to Target right before we were going to record this because we're like, oh shoot, we're going to be recording this. People are going to be ringing our doorbell. We should put some candy out front. And foolishly, we went to Target and there was literally no candy there. Of course, because it's Halloween. And like, why would there be any candy left? Even though. So we were initially going to, like, try to cobble together some stuff. And we're like, you know what? We're just not going to have our lights on. We're going to just hope nobody rings a doorbell. So uh, I guess I'm, I apologize if you're in our neighborhood and you tried to get candy from our house. <laughs> like, oh, it, okay. <laughs> it's like last last week we had it, and, you're, and we made a mention, and you were like, hopefully there's no kids that are listening to this <laughs> and then you just say that now like oh there might be a kid that's no, trick-or-treating I, th- in i'm speaking to parents listening. i'm speaking to parents well who i are hope, like, oh, hope our new, the new neighbors in in you know these guys just moved in like been less here almost than a year, year. <laughs> i know but like and now we're not a part of the neighborhood because we're not you know anyway I'm, I'm this is getting parents. this is going off the rails <laughs> yeah. quickly but uh yeah i don't know what else what do you want to talk about john <laughs> so yeah that's kind of the thing i mean Obviously, this week was kind of 
um, and a good thing kind of overshadowed by some of the off-ice stuff that occurred, um, or in some ways, like, the on-ice stuff was, like, a distraction. I would like to, I saw you guys tweeted today about my boy Freddie down Ooh. in Raleigh. We're going to talk about Do you goalies. guys have lots of comments on that? Well, that was an old, uh, this is an old, and we somehow, and eventually we're going to get called out on covering the Leafs too much. I feel like we've ticked the Leafs box. <laughs> You're not. You're time. covering the Hurricanes. But. Yeah, it is the Hurricanes. But um, I just saw how Freddie is doing uh, um, quite well in in Carolina, and it was something that we used to get some pushback from Leafs fans in the last couple of years because by our stuff, Frederick Anderson was one of the best goalies in the league for the last like three or four years, not including last year. And maybe not in nineteen. The year before was pretty rough too. Yeah, like he kind of was up and down, but he was really, really good. And I think my initial take was that I think Leafs fans don't didn't realize when Anderson was as good as he was. They thought that the team was just like it was not something that I ever felt like was as clear from Leafs fans that they actually had a really good goalie who kind of was helping them more than was acknowledged. But then when he fell off. My joke on on Twitter was that you can kind of say anything about a goaltender, and, and then at any point there's a, the same probability as it will be true again or it will never be true to begin with at any point, which is just kind of a <laughs> funny thing because it was like I was saying this a year ago or a little less than a year ago that like Frederick Anderson was one of the best goalies in the league for like a good three, four-year stretch, and now all of a sudden he's back to being really good. But I, I have to admit I haven't really watched him with Carolina or I wasn't aware of, of when, if he was in that. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, well, if you would have gone to the goalie guard pages on EvolvingHockey.com, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you would see that the number one and two goaltenders right now are Jacob Markstrom with 8.4 GAR and Frederick Anderson at 7.8. So he's returned I to form. I think – well, no. So Freddie might still be second after today. He allowed one goal on like two point seven one expected goals. Yeah, that'll probably be a no two point one maybe. Yeah, against the uh, Yotes, he's got like ten point something goals saved above expected. Wow. Yeah. Um, which so, part of that? So here's the thing. I like. There's been some takes out of Toronto media that he's now playing in front of a better defense. And I think one of the sh- – probably the only shortcoming for her, the Hurricanes, who are 8-0-0 right now and are incredibly strong team, they're probably going to take that division, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just like the, just like we predicted. Mm-hmm. Just like you predicted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one flaw maybe is is their defense. They're, I think, fifth to last um, in terms of like their experience expected goals against rate in terms of the wrap them uh don't quote me off this i don't have this up on my screen right now but i was kind of browsing around evolving dash hockey.com uh before this and i was one does yes yes and uh you know so it's like that's probably their shortcoming right now and he also wouldn't be able to aggregate so much guard goals above expected and all these aggregate stats um so quickly if it wasn't for poor defense in front of him so i think he's just doing really well yeah well the hurricanes are kind of a interesting team right now i mean they're like in terms of expected goals like their differential at five on five or even strength for our uh team wrap metrics they're like 15th in the league so it's kind of interesting because it's they have an extremely um high goal differential but they're um just, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, team wrap-ums are um, – it's just the same as our skater model. Like, we don't really reference it that often, but it's just the same. I mean, it's – essentially what it is is it's um, 
it's like on ice. I mean, you can think about it kind of like on ice metrics that are like score and venue and zone and back to back and opponent adjusted. Yeah, it just adds a little bit more yeah. adjustments to the but, stats. But it's kind of weird early in season when like um, all of the teams haven't played all of the other teams. Like it's designed to work at the end of the year, right? But yeah. you can use it in season. So it's kind of hard. Like I, I get a little bit weary of using that this early in the season because of just like if if a, if a, if the team that they're playing has been really hot to start the year, they might be getting a like a boost or or it might be impacting things it's really hard there's a lot of like kind of butterfly effects that happen with these models when you just have little sample sizes like this so it's but it's kind of interesting to look at i think like at least to compare to the on ice like kind of team table or numbers or whatever yeah and they and they in line right and it some of it's like it just gets a little bit more severe too like you're yeah. probably better off just using your regular stuff yeah. right now but, but like it, i mean all lines it's yeah but like if you story. look at for instance they were fifth in uh 15th in xg differential per our, uh the team wrap at ev and at ev on ice they are 12th so it's pretty close like i mean but that and that could just be that they you know, maybe have played some easier teams. Um, I was kind of looking at this earlier with our point projections for the end of the season. And, yeah, Carolina hasn't, like, um, they haven't climbed extraordinarily high in terms of playoff probabilities. Like, I mean, the, yeah, their their projections have gotten, um, have gone up, you know, a decent amount. I can't remember what we had them at at the start of the year, but right now we haven't projected at 105 points. So, yeah, I, so think, I, think, I think we had I think, a, I think at 100. Yeah, so they've gained about five points over what our initial projection was. So, you know, I think um, you can look at that as I'm trying to just do math quickly in my head and I'm not succeeding. <laughs> but well, yeah, I, was, I, I was also going to say that they, if you, this is kind of a um, maybe a slightly hidden com- uh, feature on the site, but the uh, team goal plus minus components as well. Um, I think it's kind of an interesting yep. way to look at uh, team performance so far that isn't necessarily, like, um, as much about, like, uh, it's just kind of, like, what's happened and kind of where um, the success or failure of a team can be uh, can be split into components, which we just use four. It's rates, um, quality, uh, and shooting. So those are, like, the three skater components to an extent and then the save, uh, the save component as well. And Carolina, I believe, has the most value added from their goalies, so their save uh, feature yeah. or version of that. As well, and they're one of the. I think there's six teams right now uh, that have no negative um, or below. I guess below zero or below average components as well, which is kind of interesting because that also they're they're getting uh, the most uh, value of any team right now from their goalies, and they're also um, they're pretty close in their shooting as well. So I feel like they're a little bit overshooting, obviously. But if you go eight zero and zero in any stretch, that's kind of what you should maybe expect to see from a team. Um, is that they are probably ha- they are overperforming what you would expect given the parity in the league in general and also in the Metro. But um, I think in general the team is just uh, they're playing well. But like Luke said, I think there is maybe some schedule stuff there um, as well. So it's just kind yeah. Of well, they I mean they also just played the Coyotes who are close yes. to if not the worst team in the league. I mean I thought the Sabers were going to be much worse. The Sabers have been very surprising, honestly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been. I mean, yeah. And also I noticed like Dustin Tokarski's been decent. Which, well, like, yeah, <laughs> this is what's, what's funny. That's I was just like say, voodoo. Yeah, I think because they have both Craig Anderson and Tokarski, right? Isn't Anderson their other goalie? Yeah. And yeah. those two goalies. So I've been not to fully change gears here, but I've been working. Uh, it's taken much longer for me to get these fantasy projection in season things done. Um, we are close. 
uh, that's a whole other thing. But it's funny because both of those goalies, we didn't project to play very many games this season. And so when doing in-season kind of rest-of-season projections for goalies like that, um, I'd have to go and rerun it. But I think we had Tokarski, like, projected to play, like, eight games. And I think Anderson to play, like, ten. And they're basically just splitting the workload, like, you know, AB or whatever you want to call it. And they essentially, with a goalie like that, I think it was something like I was doing – like under overperforming um, players. And I think it was because of the way that um, our original projections worked out and how much more work those two goalies are doing, or I guess more playing time. I think it was something like uh, uh, Dustin Tokarski, I think was about 20 goals above average uh, better than what we would expect or something like that, given just because like mostly because yeah. of playing time. Yeah. Like, it's all through eight time. games. He should have only played like but less than one. The or Buffalo something. goalies are really breaking what was, is working for everything else. And it's, I'm not quite sure how to deal with it. Cause it just ends up looking so weird because when you kind of have such small amount of time and, and I don't know, it just explodes almost in a way. And I think the Buffalo in general is, um, I, uh, they also, I, it's the other thing is they, they don't have Eichel. It's like they're doing this without Eichel and two and Tokarski and Anderson, who we projected to be the two worst goalies basically in the league. And, you know, and they've been like pretty good. So I don't know. That's just hockey though. Right. That's kind of, yeah. you know, I feel like every year there's a team that does that probably on the flip side, like how the Canadians are, you know, the third worst team in the standings right now, I think, right. Are they like two and seven right now? And it's like, you have to kind of feel like that's probably not sustainable for them as well. But that's just kind of the way it goes um, in general. And uh, I don't know. There's just some interesting um, – we're still – we're in that kind of transitional period where it's still early season, but also, like, we're getting to three weeks in, and it's kind of like, I think, what, most teams have played eight or nine games now, somewhere around there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, like, not really enough to really say anything, but also enough to maybe start to think there are some issues or some good things about teams that – um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's always an interesting time, I think, this time before we get to that, like, 20-game mark, which is when things seem to kind of 20, 25 games is, I think, when you can make more. You know, it's like another good example is, like, we just tweeted that we had some a little pushback about Petrangelo with Vegas, and all, Vegas specifically, but I think both by our GAR and XGAR comp- uh, uh, models, uh, Petrangelo was by far the worst player in the league this year. Um, and Vegas was like, Vegas fans, a lot of Vegas fans were like, I don't really see this. I don't understand how this is right. Um, and I don't know. That's a whole other thing. I don't know, Luke, if you had any, if you did any digging into that or. Oh, no. I mean, I don't know if Sean had anything to add about, add about the Sabres or if he wanted to interject there, his thoughts on, oh, yeah. on there. <laughs> I will add this about the Sabres and our, in the pain for Shane race, which maybe we should address every now and then. So I'm looking at the team projections. And I think one has to wonder how bad this has been for the Sabres because they're now projected, I'm looking at it now, it'll probably be a little bit worse in the morning since they lost this afternoon, but projected at 71, 72 points, 71.9. And I, I forget where they started the year. Was it like 66? Uh, yeah, and I think it was like 67. the Coyotes have still tanked. Part of oh, this because yeah. they're also on the East right now. And they're down at like sixty three points, and it'll be lower in the morning, as a projection. Yeah. So like, I think the Coyotes, they're really leading in this pain for Shane, and there's a chance that they, that they, um, secure the highest lottery odds this year. Yeah, I, I mean they have their first round pick back, right? So. Yeah, I think they do. I don't. I can't remember. I think it was just a one year thing. Yeah, because yeah. I mean the Coyotes have been. I mean they haven't. 
they haven't won yet, right? They've lost. They have one point. No, so them and they and lost the, today. And the Blackhawks still haven't won yeah. a game. And then the Hurricanes are the only undefeated team. Yeah. Although the Panthers haven't lost a game in regulation. Yeah. They're 8 0 oh, 1. One, I guess the other thing with maybe, I don't know, this is Carter Hutton was off to a really not good start. Well, we had him Coyotes as well. projected to be really, really bad. I know, but now he's hurt as well. So I don't, I don't, I don't even remember who is in that for the Coyotes, but they're. Um, yeah, I, to, to, I didn't. I the guy who was in today, I'd never heard of in my life. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think he was a rookie. <laughs> well, it, it, I feel bad because Chickering has been off to a really kind of a unfortunate start, and some I think some of that I you almost have to wonder is I mean obviously this is still a very early season, but um, I think with the with the Sabers anyway, they, it, they're going to have to really uh, stop being good if they want to get back in that kind of you know bottom race, uh, yeah. so to speak, because they're not really. I mean, it's it's pretty clearly the Coyotes and maybe the Blackhawks. I don't know where you had the Blackhawks at. They're still at eighty per points. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think I can't remember where we had them. Maybe like eighty three to start, which is kind of crazy. Like I don't know. Maybe their schedule just has been really tough for the start of the year or something. It's kind of hard to like judge this sometimes. Some of these, yeah. I mean, you touched on it last episode, but the model is kind of conservative, right? In the early season, like yeah. even the Flams, the Flams have been off to a. <laughs> a uh, good start and they're still projected at 98 points and fourth in the pacific the pacific's just looking stronger as a whole right yeah with the oilers seattle's starting to come around you have faith in the in the knights eventually finding it um, yeah well and i think that the with the have come out of nowhere yeah well, well the, the knights also are on a bit of a win streak i think too uh or i mean win streak i think they maybe won two or three games um lately so they're kind of back no, they've in the lost hunt. three no no no. sorry they've won three the penguins yeah. have lost three excuse yeah. me uh um, but no it's kind of funny but going back to the i think the the the, the team um goal plus minus components are kind of they were always kind of interesting because it's um i had the idea actually as a better way to make to do pdo so if people are familiar with pdo it's just save percentage plus shooting percentage it's an acronym for nothing as well yeah it's like some i think it's like some username from a forum or something where it was coined i don't can't remember (laughs) i think it i think the old hockey futures uh, yeah forum something like that but i i my thought was hf boards that's what it was yes i think but my thought initially when i did that this is essentially the the goal plus minus components section is essentially the basis for our x expected gar model so it basically you and this is honestly really taken from an idea that andrew thomas and the warren ice team proposed back in i think it was in like 2012 or something when they were first starting to make their war model that essentially um hockey contribution like con like teams a team's goal differential essentially makes up is made up by four different components really which is Corsi or shot rates so we do Fenwick here because it's it's the only thing we can use we can only use we can't use block shots in an expected goal model because of how the data is tracked it's not we can't use those so this is you basically look at Fenwick rates per 60 and then convert that, that to a goal value and then you look only at shot quality and convert that to a goal value and then you look at shooting and then you look at save saves or saving a save percentage and then if you add that like so you can kind of add that all up, and there's a formula. I can't. I, I don't know if we actually transferred the the, the explanation onto our new. So I, I think site? it's on. I think it's on there. Yeah. Where and is it? Let's, I couldn't find it. Let's step back for a second to uh, yeah. go look at it. I guess the location thing. Yes. So you just kind of breezed over at. Oh. So the NHL has locations for all events and for block shots. 
the way it's recorded as shooter has shot blocked by a player and they record the location of where the player blocked the shot not where the shot was taken from which yes. is why you wouldn't use um them in an expected goals model yes and that's like i mean it's honestly pretty unfortunate because i think about 25 percent of all shot attempts are blocked so we're missing out on a lot of information there and i mean it does get a little bit tricky if you're thinking about it like i guess philosophically with an with a expected or like a player value model because like if a player is good at blocking shots like that is technically you know i mean you're preventing a shot from going to the goalie so it's kind of like a you know if you're including block shots well then you're kind of discounting shot blocking and we've also kind um, of but I think, that's that's kind of a whole other thing that we yeah. don't have to think about because we it don't have block shot I, I think and that's one of the things i think that that um if you see like some of the i don't know they're not really arguments but like some whispering or like some uh stats from um different maybe not the nhl's tracking but say like another company like sports logic or something else um a lot some of if you hear about discrepancies between like public analytics quote-unquote like xg models and then the ones that are more proprietary um i think a lot of the time the differences can probably be um i would say the majority of them can be kind of attributed to the fact that the public doesn't have block shots which we can't really know how that impacts things i remember there were some rumblings about like um like specifically i mean not to get back but like some of the oilers players like a couple years ago was kind of looking at or talking about how the block shots the way that the team and the system block shots was like not necessarily being accounted for in the public um and i think it's not always like that big of a deal but i think if it is a systematic thing that isn't necessarily accounted for we can't really know because we've never had it and we don't look at it and we use the public um the public data but um i don't know it i think the the philosophical aspect is really interesting but maybe that's for another time i yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah i i think there would be most block shots are on lower quality shots like yeah. the puck is traveling from the point or something so i don't i think it would be good to occasionally know which high quality shots were blocked but it would it, i i don't think it's that's as big of a discrepancy as like pre-shot movement or whatever yeah Yeah, well and that obviously i think the biggest thing i mean at least from i think some of the the early or i'm I'm trying to remember now i know alex novit did a presentation on making an expected goals model using Corey schneider's tracking data and i want to say that um he found that pre-shot movement was pretty was very impactful on shot on like goal probability and i've seen that in some of the other presentations i think um with like stathletes data when dom gallimini i think he did some work showing that or maybe he tweeted some of that stuff out i don't know i've just kind of seen that with like seeing some of the more like um data that is is um more in depth i guess if you want to say than what the public has access to um you can you can get some um a lot of value actually out of like you said sean's pre-shot movement i think that's a pretty big thing we're missing in the public but you know i mean we can't do anything about that i mean we (laughs) we yeah we it's not available so i mean eventually maybe in in in, i I should say it's not available in full like we would need it to be to be able to incorporate it into something like a gar model um i mean that's kind of one of the one of the hurdles or, or issues is like Corey's um or or kind of i guess if you don't have a complete data set for the entire season for every single thing, it's, which is a huge ask. Like if someone's manually tracking it, it's just, it's an incredible amount of work to do that. And you can't really like, if you're missing games and stuff like that, it's like kind of hard to incorporate it. But anyway, but yeah, we've, we've sometimes talked about um, potentially like if we did have that, 
having blocking ability as like its own component that would kind of be you could look at it with that or without it because i don't know if you look at some of the stuff we've done also i mean this has kind of been around for years but like one of the like earlier i, I don't know it feels like a mid 2010s kind of um kind of first step for kind of uh i guess number kind of driven whatever you want to call it analysis was that like if you're blocking shots that means that you're not like taking them like if you're on the ice right like you're you're i don't know it's kind of it was kind of the backlash to like well kind of the public idea that blocking shots was good is that actually like sometimes what you actually see is players who are blocking a lot of shots also maybe find themselves in positions that um are not as great they which maybe indicate they're not as great defensively but i don't know sean you were the saying i think was like it's blocking shots is like killing rats like it's great oh yeah yeah kill a rat but you don't want to be doing it too often yeah and it's the same thing with hits too right because if you're hitting then you are chasing the puck yeah but sometimes if you're taking um you know like it's a part of the game sometimes if you're in on the four check and you're committed to the four check you're going to be making hits and so it's like it is a good thing. It's just not something you want to be doing frequently necessarily. You want the puck on your stick. Yeah. So. Well, I think also there's a, it's kind of with hit it hits, it's kind of a more complicated thing than that because some players, you know, there's a lot of nuance in, in a good check, right. And a good hit. Um, sometimes it's just like, it, it it's not, you know, I mean, people, everybody has seen like a good check and a bad check. And when like somebody decided to step up and it's like, well, then you have a two on way, the other two on one, the other way or whatever. It's like some, like there's a very big discrepancy there in terms of like, or, or I guess range of quality in terms of like what a good hit is. It's like all hits are not equal, right? Like everybody, I mean, that seems pretty clear. It's, but it also, it's kind of the same thing with giveaways and takeaways where, you know, people used to think of giveaways as a bad thing, but really, you can only have a giveaway again, like you can only give away the puck if you have it in the first place. So like a lot of, I think I want to say like Datsuk was one of the highest giveaway players in like, I oh God, I should go look at this, but yeah, I mean, I think it's stuff like that. Like I think Kane used to always, Petra Kane used to be always be a high giveaway. They're just confounding. They're just confounding variables in that. Right. And for the most part, we, because you don't have possession data, we don't have the other side of yeah. that coin. And so yeah, and some of it's subjective too, with the way that the um, scorekeepers will mark down hits, block. Uh, well, block shots are pretty, pretty objective, but um, hits, giveaways, takeaways are they sort to become yeah subjective. Well, and that's the other, yeah, that's kind of the other issue there too is <laughs> is that like it's kind of at the mercy of the scorekeepers, even more so with like takeaways and hit and and, and giveaways. All right, Josh here. So I, I, we kind of foreshadowed this beginning of the episode, but we actually ran into some additional technical difficulties that prevented us from finishing the episode. Um, so I apologize on behalf of all of us that we weren't able to get the full episode done um, and that it kind of cut off uh, fairly abruptly there. Um, but we, we had some fun. You know, we, we talked about some fun stuff, so we figured we'd get it out this week um, instead of postponing it. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, this is the episode this week. It's a little shorter, so I apologize again. But this has been the Evolving Hockey Podcast. I'm Josh. I was joined by uh, my brother Luke and Sean Ferris. Um, tune in next week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you then.